0: I'm a little envious of your facial hair and how thick it is. But, you know, other than that, I would say it's a good day.
1: I get that. I get that. Yeah, it wasn't always this great. I think that once I hit 30 out of nowhere, it was like second I turned 30. It was like, it's like perfect. I'll take it.
0: Awesome. That gives me hope, man. Because I'm 29 and I wasn't able to grow this until this year. So maybe like 30, I'll just when the rest will fill out.
1: Yeah, I, feel, I attribute to turning 30 and i've been taking beef organs for a little bit now um, yeah supplement version and they say they have a lot of like biotin i think that's the exact vitamin mineral that's good for growing facial hair so i don't know uh, possibly we will see we'll see but but yeah man i i won't take too long of your time I, I don't know i know you've been on a few other podcasts i saw you were on greg once not that long ago Kind of the structure, I don't know if you got to see any of my previous episodes, but I like the conversation just kind of flow, uh, mostly focus mm-hmm. kind of a little bit on your story, kind of, I, I have some questions I think that are interesting that will definitely get both of us thinking that we can go from, but mostly just spend the next 30, 45 minutes potentially, at the most an hour, and then we'll we'll just see where it takes us. And with that said, I'm ready if you are, unless you have any questions before we get started.
0: Nah, man. You got me for around an hour. I can definitely do anywhere in there. We end a little early. We end a little early. I'm sure there'll be a moment where we just feel it's like time to stop. So sure. just, you know, you have a bit of grace period there.
1: For sure. Yeah. I like to say I like to go until I feel full. And I think <laughs> we'll both know when we're full. No, no sense in overeating. Yeah. All right. Yeah. With that said, then I'll I'll kick a quick little intro and then I'll cool. kick you a question and kick it over to you and we'll get started. Just yeah. getting some nuts together on my end. All right. Well, welcome to the fastest growing podcast on all platforms. I affectionately call it the Better Than Best Academy. Why you ask because the conversations we have We share the stories of interesting people, and we do our best to extract the life lessons, the gold that's within them. And today's guest honestly doesn't even need an introduction. I'm super excited to have him as a guest today, but he's grown his account on the social media platform, formerly known as Twitter. We now know it as X. He's grown it to about 75,000 followers and counting. He's scaled a content marketing agency to earning 500K annually. His name is Taylon John Simmons. Now, Taylon, I, I, I want to dive into our conversation today by asking you this opening question, what would make today's conversation extraordinary?
0: Oh, man. Well, first off, that was a great introduction. When you said, I don't need an introduction. I was like, holy crap. If I, have I hit that stage yet? I didn't even realize it. That's, I guess that's cool. If that's true. I think if it's free flowing and we can like align with what would be valuable for the audience. That'd be pretty cool. I, I like anytime we can have a conversation with a bit more depth. So like we can really get into the meat and potatoes of like some relevant topics. That would be awesome. And I think that'd make this a win.
1: For sure. And I agree. I think it's going to be great. So I'm I'm curious. I, I've heard a ton of other podcasts and they, they like to ask the generalized question of, you know, what's your origin story or who you are? But I like to ask it a little differently. If people really knew Taylor, if they really knew you. What would they be as surprised about you?
0: Probably how much I've changed in the past, like, twelve, even six months, man. it's My girlfriend even said on the phone one time, like, this is more recent, past like three or four months, she's like, you're a new person. She's like, I almost don't even recognize you. Some of my other friends were like, your energy is different. You're like lighter now. Like, we can just feel that you're a different person. So that would, if you ask anyone, that would be the newest one. Actually, a funny story, Dakota Robertson, I gave him a testimonial When I first started on Twitter and I had like no facial hair and uh, he sent it to me and he's like, dude, your voice sounds higher. Like, were you lacking testosterone when you like (laughs) testimonial? He's like, you're so much different now. So there's a, I would say that's the number one.
1: Now, I I love that you mentioned that, that idea, your girlfriend mentioning that you're a new person. I like to put it if we're not, I always (laughs) told my wife when we were first getting together, if I'm not a new man every few years, then something's wrong. And that's even like the premise of this show, Better Than Best, is that idea of we're never going to reach a peak. We're always going to be mm-hmm. in a space of growth, and there's always something we can expand on. Now, you mentioned there's this new, did you say lightness? Is that how you described it? Yes. Where, where do you think this new lightness, this new, the new tailing you are now, where do you think this came from?
0: It definitely comes from less limiting beliefs and more self-confidence. I don't know how deep we want to go down this particular rabbit hole, but I did ayahuasca more recently in the Costa Rican jungle and that I didn't know what to expect, you know, and it, it was like very therapeutic. Tons of like medicine is what it felt like. It helped me break a lot of limiting beliefs, but also like aside from just that, when I first started creating online, I just remember as a man feeling very weak, and fragile and like I wasn't living up to my potential like I wasn't making very much money I wasn't doing that well with women my girlfriend and I were like very on again off again I was not able to show up in a very strong like emotionally stable way I remember like my self-worth being a lot less than it is now but then over like the next 18 months when I went on Twitter and I started posting my agency happened really quickly. And then people started to take notice of my account. My skills started to compound. I started working and like writing for people that were running like eight, nine figure businesses like per year. And it was like that type of thing is so shocking to like someone whose identity is a lack of self-worth. And it really took probably 12 months for the evidence to finally click in my head that it's like, I'm not the same person that I was before. There is too much evidence against that. And like, that's not me being delusional. That's just looking at the success that I've managed to have over the past year. And I think the ayahuasca happened at a pinnacle moment where it helped me make that transformation. And that's where I'd say a lot of that comes from.
1: And that's already, I, and I love this idea because that was actually where I, was, I wanted to to head this idea of mindset because I myself I'm a mindset coach for for men specifically in this creative space and I'm curious I'd love to get your your thoughts on what role do you think mindset plays in building your online business or personal brand it's like you mentioned in the beginning mm-hmm. you had this this in these limited beliefs you had this lack of self-confidence but something about you still was going forward with all all for it to all just blow up technically overnight. So yeah, I'm just curious what your thought is on what the role is mindset.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really pulling on this thread a lot right now and trying to think about mindset a lot deeper than I ever have because I think a lot of like platitude mindset accounts really turned me off from mindset for a while because everyone's just like self-care this and it's like the fluffiest like you can do it stuff, but I've recently come around to to realize that beliefs is probably how I would summarize, like your beliefs impact how you like tackle the world. Like I like this thing that I call Hermosi's ladder. Uh, he talks about how to become successful, you need to pair the right beliefs with the right skills and consistent action over a long period of time. So whenever I look at someone who wants to be successful, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, do you have the right beliefs that are gonna put you in the right trajectory? And I, I how do I word this? There was a period of my life, probably like in 2021, 2022, where I got really into science and started to see religion and beliefs as more of like delusions and fictions. And it made me very nihilistic. I'm like, well, truth is like what I should really be aligned with. And the truth is like, look at the evidence I have and look at where I'm at. But I, I think now there's like where I'm at with mindset is what is the most useful for what you want to achieve? And that is what you should believe even if it's not maybe the most truthful thing. And this, this analogy is maybe a little extreme, but I took my girlfriend to the Bahamas recently and we accidentally, cause I'm an idiot who didn't research enough, went to one of the most dangerous places in the Bahamas. And it was the first time in my life that we were like biking down the street and I genuinely felt scared for my own safety and my girlfriends. And this van pulls up and it's like six guys in like, a really sketchy, like kind of pedo van, to be honest. Like it was very weird. And they just rolled down the window and they started hitting on my girlfriend and started chatting with us. And it ran through my head. Like if people just open up this van door and these guys like grab my girlfriend, like I'm completely screwed. Like there's nothing I can do. But believing that I'm screwed is not like the most useful thing I can believe in that moment. Even if it was like kept me killed. It is, if, if my girlfriend's safety is the number one thing that matters to me, I should believe that I can help her get away because that will allow my actions to be in accordance with the highest probability of success. And so that's a really extreme example, but in, in business, it's the same. You know, when like, I'm going into a product launch right now, and I'm trying to be very careful to think what beliefs are going to allow me to have the highest probability of success during my product launch. Like, what do I have to believe about myself, about my execution ability, and then have my actions stem from those beliefs. So beliefs are like the foundation and you want to have the most useful ones for the outcome that you're aiming for. That That's currently where I'm at with mindset.
1: I, I love that idea. And I think it's great that you're taking this journey of even faith and this this truth and faith and science. I think they all kind of play off each other and the deeper that you you go into it, cause I, I'm a man of faith myself. I'm a Christian. I'm very big in my faith. It's a part of my life, and and I look at it. Even I I love when the the almost seemingly woo woo belief stuff can Mm -hmm. connect with science and truth. And it's that idea that they've done like Mm -hmm. the studies of like when like neuroplasticity, something as as complex as that, is so interesting to me. But but I, I think it's interesting too. Is like you said, in that moment, it wasn't going to help you to think. This is potentially the end. You knew yes. that if, if what you thought about, you would see, and it's that mm-hmm. idea of when we like what a man thinks, he sees. And I, and I love how you mentioned it tying to business because I always look at it in this idea of when we set these loft, lofty goals, some would say are like crazy mm-hmm. impossible goals. It's not that there's something to go get to. There's something to come from, and and I, and I like to like almost reverse engineer it. I'm like. Who is the yeah. man that I need to become to be in the space that I want to be? And then if I could work backwards and I'm like, if I'm living my day to day like that man, then it's only a matter of time before my reality catches up to my mind. Yeah,
0: I I completely resonate with that. Who do I have to become? That, that reminds me of like something Tony Robbins would say, and it, it's so important like even relating it to relationships, because this is where I probably have the most experience with this type of maybe belief hurdle, is as someone who was like a very insecure man in my early and mid-twenties and always felt like a really healthy relationship was out of grasp for me, I started to develop a very scarcity mentality around relationships. And now that like things are working really well with me and my girlfriend, I sometimes feel myself kicked back into that old person that I used to be like a very reactionary, we'll say way of being, to certain tr- triggers. And I start to get these beliefs of like, ah, uh, maybe this relationship will end. Like, oh, I always knew that like, this wouldn't work and love is like out of grasp for me. But the truth is like, that mindset is very self-defeating and it's not very useful. Like if I wanted a healthy relationship, that is not the mindset of someone who will be living and sustaining a healthy relationship. So I have to always catch myself when I go into that mode And be like, no, like these beliefs are not going to serve me and they're not gonna get me the outcome that I want. It's time to like let those go and like self-regulate and move more to this like other version of myself who's more integrated, could definitely show up better. Like, and I think that applies to business and every other area of life as well.
1: For sure. And I love that you touched on it from a relationship standpoint. Because I I think of our (laughs) lives holistically, I think it's really easy, especially when we get tied to building a business or building any form of career and things, it's very easy to get very single focused. that we, we tend to stop prioritizing on the other things that truly matter. So I'm curious, as someone who's reached a fairly substantial level of success, and now you see yourself with a girlfriend, I'm assuming is fairly serious, how do you prioritize relationships while still building your, your business? Ooh,
0: that's a big question. Well, one thing I'll say to get into the masculine and feminine a bit, maybe this will be some a little polarizing for some viewers is I, I do find myself more driven to like purpose-driven work over my relationship. It's not that I don't value my relationship highly and it is very important to me, but I have found that when my relationship becomes the most important thing, it just feels like the quality of it starts to diminish. And my girlfriend starts to lose quite a bit of respect for me because she doesn't. She wants to be important, but I don't think my girlfriend, even on a conscious level, wants to be the most important thing in my life. She she likes when I'm like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, I have to scale this business. I have to self-actualize. Like, there's a mission. It's like, you know, war is a, a good analogy for this. Is You know, they always say men are just like ready to go on that mission and just sacrifice everything to like become who they need to be and fight and just like save their family is. I think family, at least for me, is a very purpose-driven driver. I like the idea of being a provider and supporting and being a rock for like my future wife and you know my future kids I think that's very important for me but it it can't be like the number one thing there always has to be this bigger overarching purpose that I'm working towards and then I love having that family to come back to so while I'm building like I spend most of my day building and my girlfriend I probably spend like an hour or two together max a day and that, you know, it goes through seasons. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's a little less. But right now, that's what's working for us. And it, you know, having maybe not as much time together does make us more excited to see each other and talk. And it, it does work. So I think balance doesn't necessarily mean that everything is treated equally. It's just that everything is where it needs to be for the most optimal results that we're going for. And that's currently how it's worked.
1: For sure. And I think you said it great when you said seasons. I also look at it in another way to say it is rhythm. And it's that idea of sometimes with rhythm, you're playing something. I look at it from a drum standpoint, a music standpoint as the analogy. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes you're playing super fast. Like the overall tempo could be fairly medium speed, but there's times you play fast. There's times you play slow. And I feel like the same goes with those areas of our our life. Like I think I even heard you mention in a previous podcast, how you want to do those sprints, of all out effort when it comes to things and you want to take that that step back and rest for a minute and I think there's something yeah. really interesting in that and, and and I'm curious so you you've built this you built this social as a content marketing agency correct and, and yeah. what, what was it really like to scale to making 500 annually and don't give me like the flashy cliche cliche answers like you mentioned like going deep I'm really curious like Well, what was that like? And what is it like now once you've uh, achieved such a a substantial goal that I know a lot of people, probably the listeners, watchers of this may be thinking, wow, I can't wait to get to that. I always like to hear that the other side of getting to something that seems so substantial.
0: Yeah, you know, my initial answer, like my gut, like reactionary version was like, it sucked. But then when I thought about it a bit deeper, I would say like it was turbulent it so for for honestly i i had never really run a successful business like i had only ever known failure in business like i tried a real estate investment com- company it failed like i was an independent music producer for independent record labels for a long time in my early 20s and it was incredible but i never really made substantial money compared to the effort that i was putting in you know i i tried podcasts i tried so many different things and i just wasn't able to ever monetize so you start to get this belief that, okay, I start a business and I fail. And you start to expect it. It's not a very good belief system for success. And then the agency side, when Dakota Robertson helped me with that, and he really, I wouldn't say he like held my hand, but he was very, very supportive and hands-on with me getting the agency off the ground. And it very quickly shot to like 10K per month, then 20K, then 40K, over the span of like three or four months. Like it was wildly turbulent. Like going from, okay, I have nothing but failures and now I'm writing for people who are featured in like Forbes 30 under 30. And mm-hmm. I'm like interviewing them and they're like, okay, so you're the marketing expert. Like, what would you do? And I'm just like, I'm a marketing expert. Like, what? The-? Like, it was just like the most turbulent like, level of success. But because I was new to business, I didn't heed like the advice of people ahead of me. And one of the founders I was writing for said one of the biggest mistakes he made was scaling too quick. And I kind of thought about it and I'm like, that sounds kind of dumb. And I was very ignorant to that advice. So I just like, I had so much opportunity that I was just like, okay, yeah, we're maxed out. But like, that's fine. We'll just sign. Like, there's like this client here that's willing to pay like 7K per month. So let's just sign them on and then I'll just hire new team members. So I was like bringing on clients quick. I was hiring quick, re-systemizing quick, not realizing I was building like a house of cards. Yeah, Because I'm just like, okay, it's good. Like, yes, we, in the short-term perspective, You bring on all these clients, you hire these writers, they're writing, and you're sitting there and you're like, look at this working. This is incredible. And then the writers hand over this work that's like really not good enough to post. And you're like, oh, we have to edit this. And then you give it to the clients and they're like, this isn't good enough. And then that happens across multiple clients while you're signing on new clients. And then the old clients are not happy. And I was just like, what have we done? This is an insane house of cards. And it just like kind of busted everything. And I wouldn't go as far as saying like we lost all our clients. It wasn't like a total catastrophe. It was just like we had to realize that we broke our systems. We did not scale as efficiently and we did not respect business enough, I would say, and like taking time to make proper decisions and proper systems. And it was like very stressful. And I guess probably one of the only times in my life I actually felt genuinely depressed for like a week where I like I was actually losing hope and I was just miserable. And people were DMing me on Twitter, being like, "Dude, what is happening to your content? It's like an avalanche of misery." And I'm like, "Holy crap! It's showing in my content. That's how bad this has gotten." And it was just brutal. Like I, I did not enjoy that aspect of it. So that caused us to really back off scale, and keep our like the clients that we felt we could write for and deliver results. Actually, let go of a majority of our team that wasn't working, hire on more quality team members resystemize with stronger systems and like way better SOPs. And then we started to scale back up and now it's really good. But that would be my answer of like what it was actually like to scale the agency. But I would have like a part two to this where I would say that I think service-based agencies are a great vehicle for leaving level one of the matrix where you can make like 10 to 20k per month, which Is a pretty insane amount of money, especially for a lot of people. Like, you can do a lot with that. If you can personally, like, take that home before taxes, you can travel the world, you can work online, you get access to these founders. A lot of incredible opportunity that comes from that. But if you were talking about actual leverage and wealth creation, I think it's a terrible vehicle with a high amount of risk. I much prefer what I'm moving into now, which is more of a decentralized education model, where I'm leveraging my seven years of college teaching experience to do education-based products, cohorts, yeah. where I can go like really all in and like a creative project and a creative marketing plan and really stretch myself to my limits, put it to market, like you said, and then I can like fulfill on that. And then I can just like relax a little bit. Where service-based agency is like, there's no stopping. Like it's hard to take time off it's, unless you have like people you can really trust to run the ship and not collapse it while you're gone. So that's, uh, that would be my truth with service-based agencies. <laughs>
1: And I love that. And I love the the honesty of it. And and that's such a, a valuable lesson in the fact that you can scale too soon. And when you don't have the right foundation underneath you, it could potentially crumble. And even if it doesn't crumble on the outside, it's that inside of, like you said, it was so so mis- miserable. And, and I'm curious too, is, and, I, and I agree with that idea of, I think that the decentralized education, the the courses, the coaching, the core cohorts. I think that's a, a really great goal too. But it goes back to, I feel like, in, and I think you mentioned it before, some people are just, they love work, being a workaholic and they're in a space where yeah. something like a service-based agency, social agent, content agency would work for them because that's how they're wired. But then there's others who want more of that freedom, that want the the opportunity to not be so in the business that they can't go enjoy their life and I think that the people that are looking for that that have a substantial knowledge and an ability to teach and and coach people should definitely lean into that that side of service-based business which would be that that coaching educational. Yeah. and I'm curious so I'm curious I love that those little pieces of the sto- of your story that are that leak out the fact that you were a college educator a music producer I'm curious. What skills and, and kind of lessons learned from those seasons of your life are you applying to your current
0: season? I'd say more soft skills than anything. I think soft skills are very transferable, regardless of where you learn them. Because hard skills tend to be very like context dependent. Like If you learn sales, yes, sales like does transfer over to a lot of domains. But if you want to use it to make maybe like income or career, it's, it has to be very sales-based. Saw skills such as, like as a music producer, I learned more about thinking than anything. I would say, like to understand the idea of complex systems and the way that they work, like that definitely came from music. And I've never heard anyone else talk about this with music. So maybe it's just the way I view it. But like when you really start to understand, like it seems like you're a drummer. I love the picture in the background. I was more of like a drummer myself when I was into music. Like if you just play drums like by on their own, you can kind of just like bang them as long as they stay in like rhythm or whatever. But the second you start playing drums with other instruments and they have to have like this interdependent relationship, it completely changes the context of like what is good and what is bad. And that to me is how like a system works. Like another example would be the human body. is, you know, like the heart needs to like pump and do its thing. But if the heart stops doing its thing, it like ruins the rest of the system and the system shuts down. So you have very like you have a lot of interdependence and there's a way of like viewing the world that way as like interdependent and what are the systems? What are the, you know, even on a societal level or like a a business level Who are the individuals within the business, are they working together in an interconnected or inter-dependent way that benefits one another? And if even one person goes rogue in the wrong way, it's catastrophic for the whole system of the business. And I've learned a lot of that from music. So music, that would be the number one thing I learned that has carried over is systems thinking. Being a teacher, I would say taught me more about the way that different people think and being more open-minded because there's some students that are like, hey, I think in my coding language, just tell me exactly what to do. But it's like music's a creative discipline. So that can be hard to do because there's a lot of nuance. And then there's other students who are totally opposite. And they're so creative and they just don't like rules and they don't like limits and they just want to be kind of guided on how to do stuff, but they just want to like break things and play around and they want information delivered in vastly different ways. And because I had to do that, it got me out of this way of thinking where I'm like, this works for me. So this is the way to do it. And I started to think a lot more wide and I'm like, hey, what are the like seven or eight different ways to do this? so that I can understand this more deeply. Like, how would I teach it to a creative? How would I teach it to this person? And it it's changed my approach to writing and to business because I'm no longer thinking like a one-trick pony. where I'm like, okay, cool, we can do cold traffic. And then that's awesome. That's how we generate leads. I think like, okay, what are the fundamental principles of driving leads? There's like cold traffic, there's, you know, appointment setting, there's inbound leads, there's referrals. And then I look at all the different principles and like, How can we be most aligned with the ones that works for us and then optimize them while also understanding the other ones in case we need to use them? That level of thinking came from teaching. So those would be the two biggest transferable skills.
1: Man. Dude, beautiful mind. Like just the way that like you not only articulated that, but just like I I could see the way that you thought through that. And as a as a drummer myself, and I've been teaching some drum Mm -hmm. lessons, and I totally agree. Like I, I have a handful of students, nothing crazy. But just those students and seeing how their brains work. Like one's very he, he came from a sports background. So it's very like, Give me the sections I need to learn and watch like and I'll go practice those sections. And the other guy's much more creative. He's breaking the boundaries. It's like, why do we play it that way? Why can't we play it this way? And it's like and it's so interesting to hear it. I think it's important to see it that way. And I think having people and and I love that you mentioned you're going into this this education space for whether it's people building brands or businesses because I feel like we need more minds like yours in this coach I'll I'll call it coaching space because I I <laughs> sure. coaching space and I know it gets a bad rap yeah. like even calling myself coach I'm like I'd rather not do that cuz I don't want to be labeled with all these jokers out there but but i say that in in a way that i think it's necessary and it's needed because there needs to be more like like you and me that are taking that approach of it's not just a to b for everybody and it's it's important to see it that way like you're at a let's get you to b but sometimes in order to truly get the full scope of an issue and a problem you have to almost spiral around it to a point where you arrive at a conclusion that's Got a lot more layers than you potentially might have thought if you just tried to get to the the quickest route to get you there, and, and, yeah. and, and I think that's super interesting. And I'm I'm curious to kind of shift a little bit because we totally could dive into that super deep, but I, 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 I have a, a few other thoughts I'd like to yeah. go into. Going back to this, you mentioned in your in your Twitter bio this digital identity. So I'm curious, what does digital identity mean to you?
0: It's a big question. And I'm working with my copywriter right now to really get to the core of like, what do I actually think? And why does this idea resonate? So I'll tell you maybe the story behind it. And it'll, it'll hopefully answer this. Okay. Is So my co-founder, Dale, and I wanted to run a cohort, but we want it to be more of a meaningful experience. And we want, as a creative entrepreneurs, it's just not enough for us to be like, all right, let's just release a product or like, let's just throw something together and just like do some standard marketing and do what everyone else is doing. Like we're just, that's not fulfilling enough for us. It's what's the bigger idea? What, like what's the, the depth and what is really behind what we're trying to teach here? And what do we truly believe and how can that translate into purpose-driven business? Like I, I just cannot do things just to make money. It has to have some kind of purpose. Yeah. So the idea of doing like a cohort we're like, okay, what do we honestly believe about content in our 18 months of writing for all these founders, running a ghostwriting agency and building our own brands? And it is that personal brand just genuinely makes your life easier on all fronts. Like when I really thought about it, it's so much more than just the money. It's, yeah. okay, you start posting online and people start resonating with you and your ideas and having an emotional connection with you. You start attracting clients. Now you're making money that freedom from being in this digital environment and having influence in the digital environment, like translating feedbacks into the real world and now you can travel wherever you want. You're meeting people all over the world, doors are opening, you're being invited to go and maybe apply to like different jobs or go to different events. Like I got, I went to Miami with like a bunch of people I just met on Twitter and my girlfriend was like, how do you know all these people? I was like, Twitter. And she's like, what? It's so weird. And they, we just, it was awesome to like connect with all these like minded people. And it's, you know, creating it has caused me to have to become a better person. So it's been an incredible self improvement vehicle. I've had to get much more consistent. I've had to get more competitive. I have to have higher discipline, like really challenge my thinking and look for my uniqueness. And it developed this self awareness that allows me to create these brands. So, like, every area of my life drastically improved when I started creating a personal brand. And we were like, well, what is, it's like a digital identity because it's, it's not fully abstracted from who you are, but it is this digital extension of it. It it can be larger than life. It can be exaggerated a bit. You can choose which parts to share. And this like digital identity becomes your resume and it completely changes the way you interface and interact with the actual world because of that influence. So that's why we landed on that. And our whole cohort is around helping people build that digital identity with the hope that we can provide content and strategy and frameworks that are just so much more, maybe like more depth than the average course or the average thing would do, where it just says, oh yeah, we're going to post online, go viral. And like, then we're just going to get clients. It's like, ah, it's, it's bigger than that though. Like We're talking about radically changing every area of your life. Like that's a huge idea. And that's what your digital identity means to like me and my co-founder.
1: I love that. And I love that it's you, you coined it perfectly, being a creative entrepreneur and needing to make an impact just as much as making an income. And for some people they, they, they miss that mark because they get so draw, they get so drawn by the money side of it. And I think that when you can create such a space like what you're trying to build is great and and i think it's great because you've done you kind of almost like a, a trojan horse <laughs> you, you've you built this like i can get you the content and the practicals but really it's the the identity it's the areas of yeah. the, all areas of your life and i think that's great and and as you speak like my my gears are turning for for my own offers and the things that i look into <laughs> I, i'm right yeah. there with you i've mentioned identity a few different ways I think I put it as creative identity. So like, as soon as I saw digital identity, I was like, my ears perked up because I was like, wait a minute. I feel like it's like you mentioned, you have that level of connection with someone. I, I think that's, that's super interesting. And with that said, I'm curious. So obviously when you're building these personal brands, it's, it's easy to want to show only the highlights. And I'm curious, how do you balance the authenticity with the curated aspects of a personal brain?
0: I love this question because, again, I've been talking to my copywriter a lot and trying to get more, not only to the core of the digital identity concept, but also to my unique value proposition as a creator. And it's, it's a very weird thing to explore. I, I don't know how other people feel about this, but whenever someone's like, what are like the things that are like best about you? Or what like, uniqueness do you bring to the world? I'm like, I'd feel arrogant even exploring it. Because it's almost like asking me to pump my own tires and it it's very odd and like uncomfortable for me. But I I just find that I like depth just in any regard. Like I one thing that I really don't like on social media and like turns me off a lot of accounts is just the surface level regurgitated generic content. Like, you know, as a writer, you might see, like, hey, like here's some copywriting tips, like facts tell, stories sell. And it's like, dude, do you have like any experience with this? Like, Seriously. So for me, it, it's all about sharing like, what's actually happening. Like when you asked me about my agency, as you said, like, don't just give me the highlight reel. I understand why people want to do highlight reels because, you know, they're they're relying on business income. They're like, I want to be like looking good socially. I want to present myself well. But I just I don't feel like it's authentic enough because the truth is that like life, life is very messy and everybody knows that on even an unconscious level that like there's lots of ups and downs. Like there's, there's failures on the way. Like even if you just learn anything, like learning drums, you'll see that you are going to fail a million times before you are successful, even in like micro failures. Yeah. So there's a lot more failures to talk about than successes okay. in anything that you learn. And that's one of the human constants. Everyone knows failure, but like not everyone knows success. Yeah. So when you share failure, it makes you very human. Now, there's a way to do this that works in a way that doesn't. If you just share, hey, I failed. I'm like, look, I'm here. Then you're like a victim that's not very attractive and it's not very vulnerable. But what I would say about vulnerability is vulnerability is sharing like weaknesses and failures, but ending in how they improved your life and how you become stronger because of it. And I think that's the proper way to do it in content is, you know, to get maybe a bit more granular some some posts that I've done, like my pinned one on my, on my profile, I wrote that about how this, the ghostwriting thing isn't really what you think it is. And my co-founder read it and he goes, I don't think we should post this. He's like, I'd, I think people are going to be like, don't hire these guys as an agency because it's all about, you know, the downsides of an agency right. and what we learned. And I was just like, trust me, man, just, I don't know. I got to put it out there because it's the truth. Like, the agency model is great for these reasons. And the trade-offs are these reasons. So let's talk about all of it. And it became one of my like most resonant pieces of content. And people started to call me the contrarian ghostwriter. Yeah. And people would DM me. And they would say, man, it's so refreshing to see someone else talking about the reality. And I was too scared to post it because so I was worried I wouldn't get any clients.
1: Hmm.
0: I was like, damn. But like that brought me in leads. It was the crazy thing, man. I posted it, and I actually got like, I think I closed twenty k per month worth of leads off of that post talking about how crappy ghostwriting is. But it's all about the framing, and it's the story, and it's it's not about shitting on things. It's just about being real because everything has a trade off. Share that story, like no matter what you're doing, like you know, maybe to get not to get too philosophical, you don't have to see the world as like good or bad, right or wrong. It's just what's the trade off. So. Where did this work and where does it not? Like share that, and people resonate with that. So that would be my answer.
1: Dude, great answer, and I and I couldn't agree more. It's that idea of too. I mean, we hear it a thousand times. Not to sound like the cliche, but people buy from who they know, like and trust. And I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel sure. like when the pandemic happened and lockdowns happened, there was almost like a tear and a removing of a mask. Because for so long there was just this this layer in between people and businesses, and then it got to a point where we got down to humanity on the most granular level, and it's this idea of like what really mattered most. And out of that, I feel like birthed this this authenticity that now when you see like a super polished business, now don't get me wrong, they're a super polished business and they're they're crushing it. And at the no. same time, there's just something about it when someone says that, hey, I'm a human too. Like, yeah, I can I can get you these results you want to see. And I've also been where you've been. I've experienced these levels of just pure hell. And mm. I came out on the other side. And it's that relatability that I feel like a lot of people tend to miss sometimes. And like you said, it's all in how you package it and how you frame it. And I think that's super interesting. And kind of piggybacking off of this, if your content could evoke one specific emotion in your audience every time, what would that emotion be and why?
0: Hope for sure. And I, I say that because I think I get a lot of my ideas from Mark Manson. He was one of the most influential thinkers to me. Like the subtle art of not giving a fuck and everything is, is fucked. Like I've read those books a number of times. And I really resonate with the message he was trying to say in the second book about how, like, you need hope within a society in order to, like, have it benefit at all. Like, even on an individual level, like, regardless of where you're at, if you don't have hope that if you do, like, these things, you could maybe, like, swap it out for faith. But I would say faith to me is a little bit different, but kind of similar. Like, if you don't have hope or faith that your situation can get better, You're not going to act like if you don't have hope or faith that society could be better. You're going to act in a way that is just going to ruin society because you just are like, well, it's going to go to crap. Like, what's the point of doing anything? You, You arrive at nihilism without hope. And in my journey, I just remember being a kid, like a young 20 year old man and being like, man, I'm just like a loser. Like, I don't make a lot of money. I like suck at talking to people. I have so much anxiety. I can barely work. I'm like overweight. And I, I just had this like feeling of no hope.
1: Yeah. But like
0: then I remember sitting there and saying, okay, what options do I have? I'm either going to get worse, stay the same or get better. Getting worse would suck really bad, especially if I lived to being like 60 or 70 years old. I'm not going to enjoy my life. And that would just be terrible. Staying the same would also suck if I lived this way until I was 60 or 70 years old that would also be terrible. So I guess the only logical thing I'm going to do if I'm not going to kill myself is get better because I, there's too much pain associated with the other two paths. So I had to have hope that there were certain actions I could take in all these different domains of my life and that it would actually improve my life. And I just remember thinking like one day I'm going to look back and say, it wasn't all for nothing. Like, I remember repeating that to myself a lot as I was struggling, because there's so much failures, like get in a bit better shape, fall off the wagon, like going like, oh, like maybe things are working with women. No, that collapses. Like, oh, like this business thing is kind of working. We're making a bit of money. Nope, we lost it all and the business failed. It's like, it's hard to maintain hope when all you know is failure. But I just remember saying like, learn the lessons. That's the most useful thing to do. Just learn, like, bring this forward. One day, I'm going to say it wasn't all for nothing. Like, Th- this isn't going to make me bitter. It's going to make me better. And that was the most useful thing I could believe. And then when I finally arrived at a position in my life where I could be like, okay, I like the person who looks back on me in the mirror and I like the life that we're building and it could be a lot better. And there's a lot of things we still need to do. But at least we've arrived at a position where it's not as bad as it was and it wasn't all for nothing. And that happened to me like this year. So whenever I, Someone asked me, like, what do you want to instill in people? It's like hope because there's so many people who just don't have any. They're like, life sucks. Society sucks. The narratives suck. Everyone's out to get you. Like everyone who's rich is a scam artist. Everyone's oppressing everyone. Society's oppressing everyone. It's like, maybe if that's true to some degree, it is just not useful for you to believe it. Like you've got to have hope that things can get better for you, for others, and for society or you just won't act in accordance with what brings about good things into the world. So hope would definitely be the number one.
1: And I agree. And I feel like, and like you said, I feel like hope and faith kind of tandem there. And it's definitely, yeah, because when you hit rock bottom, you have that option of you either find the hope to get up, shake yourself off, and go after more, or you're going to sit there and wallow Mm -hmm. in that for the rest of your life and yeah it's like that idea people say that they they live to be 70 but they die when they're 25 and they just spent half have their, their their life or more just sitting there wallowing in what they could have been and just surrounded with the regrets of not going after that man that, that was good and so at this point of the of my, my show. I, I like to close. Well, I was going to close with one question, but I feel like that question answered one of these questions. So I think that was okay. good. But with that, I like to kind of flip it on my guests and ask them if they have any questions for me.
0: Mm. What, what would be the number one lesson you would pass on to your younger self like 10 years ago?
1: Mm. That's a good one. Let me think for a second. I would say it's going to work out because I can think of myself 10, 11 years ago in a space of just striving and striving for the things that I, I thought I wanted at the time and trying to perform and earn love and acceptance from everyone, being the person that I needed to be for the person in front of me, not for the sake of... Who I truly was, that identity piece, it would be a bit of, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay. (laughs) That too. And also this idea of slow down, relax. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the whirlwind of things, especially with wanting to grow a business. And that, that's important. And like it's important to, you know, be at speed and not, be in a space of procrastination or lazy that's that's definitely not what the slowing down means, but for those that have always been on twenty thousand miles per hour like you know a hundred you're going one fifty down down the interstate all the time, you can slow down, and when you slow down and you're present in the current moment, then you realize that life is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, it's easy to take those things for, and it's easy to think, oh man, it's, I'm just trying to get to the next thing. I'm just trying to make the next dollar amount. I'm just trying to lift the next amount of weight. You know, you know I'm just trying to learn the, make the next yeah. song, whatever it may be that you're thinking of. But what if you could just pause for a moment and ask yourself, what? this current moment is calling for that's i would probably share to younger me
0: that's a good answer i feel like that question can reveal a lot about a person and what they've gone through because if i was to be like what's one big lesson it's usually going to hit off one of the biggest obstacles you've overcome most likely but it's going be an interesting question and what i would say to my younger self is just keep going which seems like a flipped version of your answer like the same answer with different words Uh i love that yeah
1: for sure let me see so so at this point it's a newer segment of my show where i have my previous guest ask a guest to ask a question for my current guest and then you'll get to leave a question after this
0: Play on the one like, you know, what would you do if you,
1: you weren't afraid to fail? But like, what should you be doing and know that you should be doing that you've been putting off that will have a long lasting legacy for yourself? So what's the work that I should be doing? I'll do it as that
0: if you want to phrase it to them. What is the work that you should be doing that is going to leave the legacy for you? And why haven't you started it already? That's a really good question. And it's uh, very in alignment with, I would say, the new struggles I'm going through as I move into this new stage of my life and this new business. And I think that it is actually making more time for creative endeavors, like carving out four hours a day, every single day to sit down and write, then do the work and create the content at a higher quality and be very radically consistent. I've been so all over the place with, You know, being invited on podcasts, doing Twitter spaces, doing calls for the agency, like working with clients, doing emails. It's started to slip, like the truly impactful needle movers have slipped away from me. And I would like to restructure my life moving forward so that I'm able to do more of that work, which is perfect because tomorrow was my last day of calls. And then I actually locked my calendar in a new way so that I can do that every morning. It's a perfect question.
1: I love it. That's so good. I I heard it said this way once. Very similar is don't just sit there. Don't do something. Just sit there. And it's that idea of giving yourself that space to think and create. And 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 I and I love that. That's what your what your goals are, and that you've already aligned your new calendar with that because that's huge. And I agree. As someone who's been doing a ton of extra podcast recordings lately. I'm like, man, I need to slow down with these podcasts, these sales calls, these Mm -hmm. coaching calls, and just take time to create and cast that vision for what, what the future holds. It's good. Good stuff. All right. So now you get to leave the question for my following guest.
0: I've been thinking about this one. this is one of the few times I feel stumped, actually. It's taken me a while to think about it. So this is the only one that comes to mind for some reason is, Was that not a
1: fire conversation? I know you are going to leave better than before you tuned into it. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to hit the subscribe button on screen. And if you wanna continue watching more inspiring and encouraging content, you can click here. If you really got something out of this or if you have any feedback so that we can make this show even better, don't hesitate, drop a comment below. As always, thank you and I look forward to.